0: Welcome to the second part of the second hour of the Inside Scoop. This is Mark Levine. We talked in the first hour about uh, Staples and how they're not providing their employees, their part-time employees or their, with health care and trying to keep their hours down so they don't have to provide them with health care. What's fascinating, though, is that the Affordable Care Act, as much as conservatives fight, fight, fight against it, it's important to look into history. And recognize that uh, we now have conservatives, libertarians, Tea Party members marching in the streets saying ridiculous things like get your government hands off my Medicare or stop big government from harming my Social Security and ridiculous things like that, which I should point out conservatives fought Social Security in the 1930s. They fought Medicare in the 1960s. Will we now soon have a case or maybe already where the next Tea Party rally They're going to say, get your big government hands off my Obamacare. To answer that question, I have a a guest that I've had on before and I think is a terrific guest. He's Professor Julian Zelizer. He is a political historian at Princeton University. Julian, Professor Zelizer, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, we actually had you on a few months ago talking about your book, The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson, Congress, and the Battle for the Great Society. You are an expert on Medicare. Will we there come a day, or is that day already here, when we're going to have Libertarians and Tea Party members marching in the streets, get your big government hands off my Obamacare?
1: I don't think it's impossible to imagine. That's exactly what's happened with Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, not only do conservatives like it, Doctors like it, hospitals like it, uh, and governments, both Democratic and Republican, have supported that program and depend on it. There's still a lot of uncertainty. There's a big Supreme Court case looming for the ACA, the Obamacare program. Uh, But if it survives, as you've seen an expansion taking place in many states of Medicaid, uh, you can imagine this being something that even conservatives defend down the road.
0: Okay, so now this plan was originally going to be for all 50 states. In the Supreme Court, uh, in the decision saying it was constitutional, the earlier Supreme Court opinion, uh, a lot of people didn't notice the second part of the opinion. They didn't read all uh, the hundred pages like I did, uh, but where it said that they didn't have to provide Medicare uh, excuse me, Medicaid expansion. Uh, for basically, and so half the states do not provide do not basically implement the Affordable Care Act with regard to their poor citizens. Is, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's what's happened. Most of them were Republican states that uh, decided not to expand Medicaid, although that's been changing. Uh, in recent months, there's been a lot of pressure coming from Republican governors as well as health care providers uh, in states like Tennessee to undergo that Medicaid expansion, and they've had some challenges, um, but there's a lot of pressure now coming from the GOP, not from the Democrats, to accept the federal money that's right in front
0: of them. And yeah, so let's the let's talk about what Medicaid expansion means. So the, the, the federal government will pay for the cost of health care, of, of poor and lower uh, lower income. The, the poorest still get Medicaid, but basically it's it's lower middle class uh, people bet, bet, you know who are, say, the working poor. Uh, it's, it's to provide them the, – the federal government will provide them with 100 percent of the entire cost of their health care for several years, and then it goes down to 90 percent later. Um, and uh, you know, I'm in Virginia, and our, our Republican legislature said we don't want money. We don't want Virginians to get this free health care. We think free, free health care is terrible, and we think that people should just die rather than accept this federal money. Apparently, they're winning the argument, at least in Virginia. They're losing it in Tennessee.
1: What's important to remember is those states already take federal money. So uh, we're talking about expanding Medicaid, not starting Medicaid. Uh, So in a lot of these states, the health care systems depend on this federal money. Thus far, they've been able to check this, especially Republican legislators. Uh, But that said, you know, there's about five or six Republican governors in the past few months who are saying this is crazy. Uh, We're going to take this money, and we can't just – not have insurance uh, for people who need it uh, when the government, the federal government is offering a pretty generous system right here, just building on our existing program.
0: So uh, John Kasich, I think, is the governor of Ohio, right? And he, uh, Ohio is sort of your classic swingiest purplish, purplish state in the United States. You know, as goes Ohio, it's gone the presidency for 50 years or so. Uh, And this is a Republican governor. And he said, you know what, why should we refuse this free money on the table? He's taking it, but he's bucking the trend. And I guess my question for you is, looking at my home state of Virginia, um, what's causing him to buck the trend? Is it from the bottom up, is it people saying, hey, in Kentucky, which borders both Ohio and Virginia, uh, in Kentucky they, they get this, this care, uh, and they're poorer than we are, why shouldn't we get this care? Or is it, is it top-down? Is it people inside the beltway who are pushing it?
1: Look, one is exactly that. There's competition between the states. So if one neighboring state provides it, you know, a state that doesn't provide it can easily lose population. Uh, two, it's the idea that some people like that Republican uh, in Ohio, feel that, you know, this is a, a, a basic form of insurance that they should provide citizens, and someone else is going to pick up the cost if they don't. Uh, and finally, it's the health care providers, hospitals um, and physicians. They want this money coming in because ultimately it helps their system. So in places like Tennessee, there's a lot of pressure on the Republican legislators uh, from the healthcare industry not just from voters and not just from politicians Do you know who uh, should so the support states this. that are bucking the trend are facing a lot of
0: pressure right you know who should support this grover norquist deficit hawks people who don't want to pay taxes should support this if you are a taxpayer in virginia all right you've got to pay more taxes Because Virginia has to take care of people through emergency rooms and otherwise who would otherwise get health care fully paid for by the federal government. I'm paying twice as a federal taxpayer. I pay for care for people in Virginia. And because Virginia won't take the money I'm paying to the federal government, I got to pay again my Virginia taxes. Can we get the tax cutters, the Grover Norquists of the world who tend to oppose every liberal cause there is, can we get them to understand that it makes dollars and cents to accept this money?
1: I'm not. I'm not sure about that. Some of it's just purely ideological, and I don't think they're uh, often willing to hear that argument. Uh, but what other Republicans, not the Norquist, but politicians, will cut face uh, is public demand for this, and that's what's happening in a lot of states. Uh, and that's harder for politicians to say no for when when people see in other states they're getting this kind of coverage through Medicaid. Uh, the pressure's been intensifying in those states that don't, and that's really where the pressure point is coming not from rational, logical arguments.
0: To me, the most interesting case was in Kentucky, because in Kentucky is one of those rare red states, and, and Kentucky's not Ohio. Ohio's a purple state. Kentucky is this red, red, red state, very conservative state. I think uh, all but one of their representatives are, are a Republican. They have one Democrat usually. Uh, but Kentucky did have a Democratic governor, and that governor implemented the Affordable Care Act in Kentucky, which is great because Kentucky is a pretty poor state as well, particularly the parts that, that are close to Appalachia. In any case, he put it in. I think they called it Kentucky Net. Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong there. But he yeah. put it in there. It was, of course, the Affordable Care Act. And people in Kentucky, this red state, really loved it. So much so that when Mitch McConnell, the majority leader of the United States Senate, the most powerful Republican um, in the Senate and arguably him and John Boehner, the two most rep- powerful Republicans in the country, when he ran for reelection and they asked him, this guy who you know, talks every day about how he wants to abolish Obamacare, they asked him if he would, they would get rid of Kentucky's Obamacare. Kentucky Net, And he said, no, 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 we'll leave that in place. We're going to get rid of Obamacare, but we're going to leave in place the Kentucky version of Obamacare, which he didn't use that. He said, we're going to leave in place Kentucky net, hoping that Kentuckians would be confused and not recognize that that was just Kentucky's Obamacare.
1: Well, one of the things the administration has done is they've allowed some states to make certain adjustments to the program and give it their own twist. Uh, And part of that is political. Not only do they get buy-in from the states. But then what happened in Kentucky is exactly the virtue that the administration is looking for. They'll claim it as one of their own. They could distinguish it from Obamacare, even though that's exactly what it is. Uh, and then they can push back when attacked from, from the right. And I think that's the case where you can see how this program gradually can take hold, even in the reddest of states.
0: Other than the name, was there anything that Kentucky net was that Obamacare was not?
1: No, I think it's generally that that is the program. Uh, most of the alterations are pretty minor and uh, around the margins. But the fundamentals are exactly what the administration intended. Um, and that's that's what we're seeing.
0: Eight 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 five, three, seven, five, four, three. Let's go to Paul in Seattle. Line three. Hey, Paul, how are you? How's it going, Mark? Going good. Uh, what good. are your thoughts? Will Republicans be marching in the streets in 10 years? Get your hands off my Obamacare.
2: It all depends on where uh, Julian mentioned something that I think is very interesting uh, about Ohio. The, you know, the Republican states are tax cutting themselves into collapse. And one way, one thing they don't re- recognize, uh, like my home state of Michigan, which I shall never return to because it has been destroyed by Republicans in the last twenty five years since I left. Michigan, for instance, has the worst roads in the country, and. Mm-hmm. They also have lost, I think, three representatives in Congress because the place sucks so much now that everybody who can leave did leave, just right. like I did.
0: And they're also and- gerrymandering it so much that Michigan, which is basically a blue state, a state right. that's voted for the Democratic president uh, ever since, you know, in the last. Bill- Bill sure. Clinton and uh, John Kerry and Al Gore and, and Obama, uh, it has something like three quarters Republicans just due to the gerrymandering uh, in Congress.
2: Right. So what happens now is that everybody, if everybody leaves these places where it basically the quality of life sucks so much, they don't have anybody to raise taxes, they don't have, or to to provide a tax base because their whole workforce is left. But if you take a, play, a look at some place like Kansas, they only have two million people. But it still costs the same amount to pave the roads.
0: Yeah. So, but, so, they so here's a, the part I don't understand. I want to address this to Professor Zelizer. This yeah. is such a budget boon to states. If you know, if you are not ideological, if you are maybe a fiscal conservative, okay, you're fiscal conservative, you're not ideological, you want a practical, competent government that works, you're certainly not a liberal. You're strong, you got your, your green eye shades on and you want to balance the budget and this money would would I mean, this is significant dollars here. This is this is I don't know what percentage of a budget. It, maybe you can help me. What percentage of a state's budget might be Medicaid expansion money?
1: It really depends on the state. And, uh, you know, there's not a catch all, but I can say it's a significant infusion of funding. You know, there are states like New York, which obviously is more liberal, uh, that has really counted on Medicaid as an essential part of its budget for decades before ACA and before the expansion that's taking place. And to take that away is unimaginable. Uh, but what some governors, I think, are realizing is that to take that off the table, the extra money, uh, really is costly to, to the state beyond the infrastructure issues that you're talking about with the caller.
0: Yeah, they're either going to have to issue bonds, which is go into debt, and, and you know most state governments have to balance their budget, or they have to raise taxes. And uh, I'm just waiting for that government that says, yeah, I have to raise taxes because we did not accept the Affordable Care Act. We didn't well, accept Obamacare. Can Obama I, can Care. I uh, chime in here? Sure.
2: And I, I think there was an article in The Economist, uh, I don't know, a couple of, uh, maybe a month or so ago, that talked about it. There was at least eight Republican red state, totally red states, that have, uh, and Kansas being kind of the, the model, have cut themselves, tax cut themselves so much that they are really in trouble. And, uh, for instance, I know because I still have family back in Michigan, now they've gotten to the, pro- the point where, uh, ca- taxes are cut so low, uh, the roads are so bad, they were thinking about taking the money out of the schools, but now you see they have to offer, and, uh, in May is coming up a, uh, of 1% uh, pen- one penny sales tax increase. Hmm. See, so it's real. Reg- it's, of course, the most regressive type of tax increase. But this is what this is what they're tending towards. They have to raise taxes because they've really tax cutted themselves into a corner. Is that not correct? So correct? yeah, let me let you me absolutely-
0: ask. Oh. Yeah, just yeah, I just guess to say. Yeah. Let me say a second right, and ask the right, professor. Um, yeah. it, 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 are we coming to a point where, and, and after all, the vast majority of state legislatures are now Republicans. They they control. Uh, I think it's like two thirds of the states. I mean, there's a huge wave. Are we coming to the point where there's actually some backlash among independents or even conservatives in these states because of exactly the things that Paul raises?
1: I think that's exactly what's going to happen. You know, we're all greased. And basically what happens in the state is that it's harder to be a really conservative Republican on these issues because the impact of the cuts is more immediate. Uh, you're not just talking in the abstract about reducing the deficit. When you cut taxes in Kansas, it has a direct impact on schools, on roads, on all the things that, uh, you know, citizens depend on. And I do think, you know, it's a competition between uh, gerrymandered districts uh, versus the basic necessities that most residents of these states face. And I do think there's going to be more pressure uh, to push back, especially after what we're seeing in states like Kansas, where it's just devastating on the economy uh, in addition to the to the government's uh, books.
0: We may need 65 uh, percent of the vote to win some of these legislatures back because of the gerrymandering, but who's to say we won't get it? Thanks for your call, Paul. If you want to call in, it's 888-653-7543. We'll be right back with my guest, Professor Julian Zelizer of Princeton University. Welcome back to the show. This is Mark Levine. My guest is Professor Julian Zelizer of Princeton, who writes provocatively that uh, there may soon come a time when conservatives, libertarians, Tea Party members will say, get your big government hands off my Obamacare. If you don't think that's going to happen, well, he's uh, written a book about Medicare. Uh, It's called The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson Congress and the Battle for the Great Society. And we all know, I got to say, uh, Professor, it surprised me to see people marching, Tea Party members marching three or four years ago, maybe it was five years ago, with signs saying, get your hands, government hands off my Medicare. And my question for you, though, is was that just, I don't know, five or six stupid people, or was that a, a a real movement within the Tea Party?
1: Look, uh, the signs might have just been held up by a few people, but what's remarkable is that most programs from the great society, including these very controversial programs, Medicare and Medicaid, have remained generally untouched through the Reagan presidency, through both of the Bush presidencies, uh, and it's not something that most Republicans want to tackle. So even if that sign was doing it in the most dramatic fashion, I think it does reflect where a lot of conservatives are at this point. This is not a program that's on the table, a program that in 1964 and 65 was still being called socialized medicine by its opponents.
0: So I remember, I think it was the 2012 election, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I think Romney campaign was arguing that President Obama was cutting Medicare and you should vote Republican because the Democratic president was cutting Medicare. Didn't they make that argument? They, Someone you know, did. They did that also
1: actually when the program was being proposed because it did entail cuts in Medicare. The idea was you'd get savings uh, that can be used to reduce some of the burden, the tax burden of Medicare. And so it was tied to the HDA program, and Republicans tried to capitalize on it.
0: But I want to be very clear about this. What the Affordable Care Act does is it doesn't cut Medicare, it has savings in Medicare. And that might right. that might seem similar, but it's very important to understand the difference. It didn't cut Medicare benefits to any beneficiary. Nope. What it right. did do is cut some of the profits that Medicare was paying to medical equipment manufacturers or hospitals and so forth. In other words, it said you can't bilk Medicare for you know 30% profits. You can only get 20% profits, whatever it was. It it cut the people who are receiving Medicare, Medicare dollars. It didn't cut the beneficiaries who were paying, who 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 got to use Medicare.
1: Right, and it was connected to this other expansion of opportunities for insurance. So, uh, Republicans kind of picked up on a small part of this, framed it in a different way, uh, and made this argument. But that said, the argument does capture how much the politics of Medicare have changed since 1965. And this is a phenomenon of a lot of social programs. They start as being very divisive, but over time they gain bipartisan support.
0: I want to, Professor, if we can't go one step forward. In this whole Staples debate, and I've called for the boycott of Staples, I can't help but notice that at the end of the day, I would prefer that employers don't provide health care. I don't think that's the best way to do it. You know, the Hobby Lobby decision, again, I I detest Hobby Lobby for not providing uh, reproductive health care for its employees, but I don't think they should have to make that decision because if everyone simply has health care like they do in Canada and England and France and Japan and Australia and all the other countries, then it doesn't even become an issue. Do we have a chance with the Affordable Care Act, to actually move one step forward to national health care?
1: I don't think we will, and I think that's one, one of the biggest criticisms about what President Obama and the Democrats did, that they basically built around the existing program, which relies on private insurance, which relies on business-provided insurance, and they didn't replace it. Uh, and so there's a lot of problems with that basic health care system that are now being blamed on the Affordable Care Act, uh, but more importantly, which most people, average Americans feel all the time, uh, and so it raises a lot of concern and frustration with the healthcare system. The president decided not to do that. It's hard to imagine at this point having the kind of support that's necessary. go to a single-payer plan, which is what a lot of liberals wanted back in the 70s and 80s. All
0: right, Professor. Thank you for for your comments. It was really very instructive. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I'll tell you something. I still think that's the right solution. Maybe they should just lower Medicare to 60 and then a year later lower it to 55 and raise it up from 26 to 30 and just (laughs) eventually we will get national health care. I still dare to dream